to the activists on the block. I'm Sarah Anderson. Hey, it's Michael Wiglinski, and I have a new text tone. Oh. See if you recognize this. What is you ready? this? Oh, I can't you ready? wait. You ready? Yeah. <laughs> you know what that is? Huh. The maple kind, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you remember the video with the dog with the bacon yes, and talking yes, dog? Yes. The maple kind, yeah? <laughs> so my friend Scott sent it to me because that was like, I just got back from a trip in Idaho. And if you remember the video of the talking dog and the guy's like, I've got the bacon and the dog's like, yeah, yeah. That was like, as people were telling stories throughout the week, that was our ongoing joke. So he sent me that as a text tone. So now it's my text tone. Aw. How delightful. It was delightful. That's a nice, like, uh, reminder of fun times past. So I'd like to start off by talking about my trip and how it relates to our wonderful state of West Virginia. Let's hear it. So my friends and I drove across country to... uh, Idaho, outside the town of Stanley, in the uh, Salmon Chalice National Forest, which is an awesome wilderness area. And this town of Stanley has 63 people. It's down from 100. It was started at 100, Aww. and it's down to 63. Is there a school? There's schools all over, and kids ride the bus. So it's that same feel of here. Like, there's okay. a central school that kids ride the bus, yep. like, an hour, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever. And um, there's little towns, but Stanley's the biggest one. And Stanley's, like, at the center. It's down in the valley, so you have the mountains, like... 360 degrees around, and the river runs through it, and it's this cute little, like, western mountain town. You know, you've got, like, hotels and a few restaurants and, like, a an outpost shop that you can buy everything and you need. And 63 people? 63 people. So they all work at, like, that's what they do. It's, they own it's, those shops. It's, yes, and it's, okay. it's tourism. Like, that's who goes there. And um, I think in the summertime, the stat that I saw was over 70,000 people visit the town, like stay in and visit the town of Stanley um, in the summer. And I forget the economic boom to that place, but it's huge. You know, you figure 70,000 people. We stayed in hotel rooms for, we got there early, so for two nights, you know, and spent $150 or whatever Mm -hmm. on a hotel room for a night and went to the the local, there's like a little bar and restaurant. And um, everywhere around there is just beautiful. And the people there are super nice because it's it's a tourist-based town. You have people who go there for hunting and fishing and, you know, hiking, river running, all that good stuff. Same thing as what we have here. Mm-hmm. But the difference that I notice is how the the roads there are awesome. Now, granted, they have way smaller amount of roads. So it's like one road that's going into town, but it's beautiful. Um, the one morning, like, it was kind of rain transitioned to snowing. Plow trucks were out going around. Like, they were like, we're keeping this place nice for everybody. There's no trash anywhere. There's no, uh, it's just nice. It's like the classic Western town. And then I, I kept thinking back to like my experiences going camping and, and fishing and things around here. And it's like, I walk down to the river and I find, uh, dirty baby diapers and, uh, boxes from little Caesar's pizza and, you know, that kind of thing. And I don't know if it's just, if it's like a cultural thing, like people here just, I don't know. But I did just see in Virginia Beach, they had some, did you see this on a tangent? They had some event this weekend over Memorial Day weekend called something. They named it a name. It wasn't sanctioned by the beach. It was just like all these people went there and they had like people built like floating bars out of plywood and all this stuff. And they picked up, they had nine public works people and they picked up like some crazy amount of trash, like thousands of tons of trash off of the beach because people went there. And then all their little floaties and their beer and their whatever. And the workers there were like, it looks like this beach was full of people. And then like 
a tornado came and everybody just got up and ran for safety and left everything that they had. They didn't take anything? No. If I had pictures, I would I would show it's it's disgusting. And it reminds me of like a river takeout when I'm when I'm carrying my kayak off off the river and people have, you know, their cans of beer and their pizza boxes and whatever else. Well, you, so you were just chatting a, a little bit about some of the regulations about how you have to clean up after yourself on the river. Mm-hmm. And I do think it's interesting because I've traveled and camped and whatnot out mm-hmm. west a bunch as well. And I know that there's definitely a mentality around that. Like mm-hmm. you are expected to really to leave no trace mm-hmm. that you pack everything in, you, you know, you bury everything if you can't. We didn't have any burying. You didn't well, do we any were, You're not allowed to. When I was, this was years ago, but we could bury, this was in Montana. We were Mm -hmm. really in the middle of nowhere. Um, But I feel like in, you don't, and I don't know if it's West Virginia or just a different mentality in the East Coast. I I don't know how much to generalize it. But there's certainly, it's certainly a different look and feel in a lot of parts. And I wonder if there's some, like, cultural or regulation issues that that are different. But... I do feel like there's some, there's differences in valuing the, the environment mm-hmm. and, and the the places that we can share as a community. Right. I remember going to Costa Rica uh, on a vacation trip, and it's it's the same as like what is out west. You don't see trash. You don't see those kind of things. And I, and I was talking to locals there, and they say from you know so they have these areas that are like national parks that are protected. And it's like this whole area that normally you would see hotels, condos, all those things. And it's just, it's rainforest and that's it. And then they cut out this little sliver, like 5% of it or 10% of it. And that's where all the tourists Mm -hmm. get to go. So when you go visit, it looks awesome. You're in this place, but the rest of it is just all protected. And they teach children from when they're little, like to protect it, to clean up after yourselves. Because people go there with that expectation, we go there with our tourist dollars and say, look at this paradise. This is paradise in the middle of nowhere. So I don't know. Where's our paradise? Well, I <laughs> honestly, it probably relates to the fact, especially in our state and like a lot of Appalachia that we've used. And when I say we, I don't mean like necessarily the people, but the land has been used for profit. Right. That we're an extraction so state. So we're a So people view the land as a place to get your money. You know, you get it from the ground in coal. You get it from the ground in natural gas. You get it from the ground in timber. And that's what it's there for. And when, you know, you go take your things and then you, when your money's all up, you leave and move on. And I think that mentality has trickled down that um, you have just people just use it. Right. That's the way it feels. And then you have... Then, you know, to talk about our state, you have these industries who then move on and who's responsible for it? The the state. You know, we have down at Friends of the Cheat, they're doing a partnership with the West Virginia DEP, Friends of the Cheat, and I think one of the gas companies, I can't remember which one, that they're now cleaning up Muddy Creek, which is the result of, uh, there was two mines, one's the TNT mine, and I forget the name of the other one, that blew out in the 80s with a big flood. And it's the number one polluter for the Cheat River. So above the Cheat River in Albright is pretty pristine. There's great fishing. The water is really good quality. And as soon as you get below that, it was acidic. It tastes like metal. Like it's all these bad things. But these companies, they took their their coal, they got all their money, and then they leave and they dissolve their company. And now the West Virginia DEP, which is us, the taxpayers, Mm -hmm. and private groups are now footing the bill to clean up after them. Mm -hmm. And that's just the way it is. Right. Well, and it's a similar 
mentality, because we had the issue in um, Kanawha County with the um, those tankers that were leaking those chemicals into the water supply mm-hmm. down in Charleston, and the DEP wound up not that. So very briefly, there were these regulations on those tanks above ground storage right. tanks. Right, yep. but then you give it a legislative session, and those were those were scaled back in one Be- year. Yes, because industry was complaining. But this is like our land. Like this is, and this is our water, and these are the things that we have to protect and worry about our health and our our families and our environment and just enjoying um, where we live. And so I, I mean, I wish that as a state, we had a vision for what our environment and water water look like, A, a, a common vision, because you just don't see that. It keeps looking like these companies have, have our, you know, they have us in their grips, you know, they well, get to dictate what we Yes. Do. Well, they also have us in our grips because they basically control the legislature. Right. I mean, they... There is that. They pay for them and they, they support them and they're in and then they say, here's what we want you to pass. And then they pass it. And it's like, damn the will of the people. I guarantee you, if you went out and stopped 100 people on the street and said, are you okay with lowering the drinking water standards in our state? I bet you 90 of them would say no. I mean, who, who would say, yes, right, let's lower right. our water quality right. for our drinking water, right? But it doesn't matter because the, the people who are in the legislature just say, these are the people who support us. And it, they and then they have the good framing. You know, it's job-killing regulations, right? Right. When that was going on with that uh, last summer, they had the um, – or last legislative session, they changed the regulations for how they figure out how much waste they can dump in the river. And the old standard was the lowest seven-day period in a 10-day, 10-year period, right? And they changed it. And what they changed it was so they could dump more in the river. Oh, right? cool. I like that. And if you ask people, like, is this something you should, Nobody wanted that. Who wants that? Who says, yes, use our rivers for a sewer? The places where we fish, the places where my kids swim, the places right. where... Like, who would say yes to that? But it does. They just do it. Well, and the fact is that the legislative session is short People's attention span mm-hmm. by the time we get to elect them, they don't overlap. Mm-hmm. And so it's just hard to understand. And people have a lot of other things going on. Mm-hmm. So you vote. You vote on like one or two issues. It's rare when those issues are going to be. I mean, you would hope that in, in our state drinking water would be more of a concern given all the, you know, generations of issues we've had with it. But it's not. And so the people with the money win. And mm-hmm. those people get their money from industries. Then. Well, and I think they're very good at sowing discord among the different groups, right? So like I kayak and I fish, but I do more kayaking than fishing. But in if you look at states where those two issues, like in Georgia, there's a section of river called the Chattooga, which is section four. It's famous from movies and things. But upstream, there's a section called section zero, which is very narrow. And it, you can only kayak it when it rains a lot. And you can do it for like a day. Like it's like It comes up, you run it, and then it's over. And that section has awesome fishing, right? So when they went, when the kayakers went and they said, we want to try to get this, because it was closed to kayaking, you could only fish in there. And they went and they basically said, we'd like to get permission from the state to go in and run this river. The two groups were at odds with each other. The fishermen were like, we don't want these kayakers in our place. And the kayakers are like, we just want to be in this place. But here's the thing, when the river's high enough that you can kayak it, nobody's fishing it because it's muddy and it's high and no fish are biting. 
but somehow they figured out a way to get those two groups to, oh, to fight with to each fight, other. Right. They have groups. Why do the why do hunters and fishermen right? Why are they at odds with environmentalists? Why are those two groups? Why do they fight with each other? Why do they think that they're on the opposite side? Divide of each and other? conquer. The people who hunt and fish, like even if you're in, like if you ask those people, how do you do? You want your your forest protected? Do you want your your the water where you fish to be clean? They all say yes. It's just a, a how do you get to that, right? So if the government mandates it, then a lot of those people in that group say we don't want the government telling us what to do. But if you don't mandate it, then what do you do? But they they have the same end goal. I have the same end goal as every hunter, fisher, and I'm an environmentalist. And we have way more in common, but they'd rather say you guys hate each other. Yep. Well, that makes it easier. So I'm going to pivot briefly to another issue that's been really driving me crazy. Do it. Um, And this is is a departure from environmentalism, but it's certainly on, uh, it's more in line with uh, social issues we've been concerned about. So I've been... Losing sleep is is an extreme, but I've been so, like, mad about all of the um, anti-choice legislation that's Mm. been coming out. You see it in Georgia, Nebraska, Alabama, that... Missouri. Missouri, that... Missouri. Missouri. If if you go there, you don't call it Missouri. That's so weird. Missouri. It's kind of like Kanawha. Kanawha County? Kanawha. It's not right, Kanawha, that's true. it's just Kanawha. Because Kanawha spelled really weird. Ma- I could not pronounce it for the longest time. Missouri. you just going to... I like it when Google Maps or whatever is pronouncing Kanawha. Kan- yeah. Because it's not... You're like, where? Okay, anyway. Um, so, um, what I am, I guess... So, it, it's obvious why this is happening now. The Supreme Court has more conservative than... Um, has more conservative than liberal judges on it right now. So the conservatives are reading the tea leaves and saying that it this is a prime time to challenge Roe versus Wade. Um, and so right now you see a lot of this legislation being um, being pushed in conservative legislatures, although we just heard now this morning there's going to be a Democratic governor who's going to sign the one in, I want to say, Louisiana. Louisiana. Yep. Um, and so we know that this is something, you know, we, in West Virginia a year ago, we had Democratic legislators as well vote mm-hmm. for the um, what turned into Amendment 1, um, which gets rid of protections for um, women's state protections, state protections right. for women's health care access. Um, and but what I what I think. It, so there's a couple of things that like. I get nervous about this and I'm heartened by. So I just saw this morning that Netflix now is not going to produce any more um, any more like films or shows in Georgia. Disney too. Yeah. So they are using their economic power mm-hmm. and voice to move out of those states. I've seen stories of women reconsidering going to college in these states. Um, and frankly, I mean, it's funny, my, my cousin just graduated from high school and he's actually going to school in Nebraska, which is one of the states with, um, very conservative, um, laws around this. And, and we pass around cards to like write, um, Mm -hmm. advice. (laughs) I almost wrote, um, don't get a girl pregnant because, I mean... I laugh. It's not a joke, though. I mean, no. it, it's going to stick or you got to go out of state or. 
I saw a really good cartoon that I think shows the uh, the feelings of the people who were pushing this, and it was it was a pregnant woman and her son in hand. I'm going to try to do my best to paint the picture. Okay. okay. So her belly's sticking out, and she's got a baby, like a toddler in her hand, and the rain is pouring down on them. And you have this older white man in a suit holding an umbrella over them, and he's holding the umbrella over himself okay. and over her big her belly. pregnant belly while the woman and the child stand in the rain. Mm-hmm. Did I paint a good picture? Yeah, yeah, that's And brilliant. I thought, whoever, I don't know the artist who did it, and I was like, that's exactly it. If the people who cared this much about unborn babies, fetuses, life, because that's what, they're, that's what they say, right? Mm-hmm. We care about life, and all mm-hmm. life is sacred, and all those things. They're the same people who vote against uh, uh, WIC and, and food stamps mm-hmm. and, and education and birth control and all these things that would actually mm-hmm. help mm-hmm. children and, and mothers and people who are poor who are trying to make it by. So you can't – it's just – it's like hypocrisy right in your face. You can't mm-hmm. say you're pro-life and, and go to war and say we have to protect all life at all costs because I can respect that. If you say all life is sacred, right, I can respect that view. I might disagree with – you know, trying to restrict women's access to health care. But if that's your if that's your take and you're also supporting the programs that help women and children, then we can talk. But it's not. They're not. They're saying all life is sacred. And once it comes out, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and that's it. Right. Well, and I get what's what's really troubling to me with a lot of this legislation is criminalizing miscarriages. Right. I mean, women have miscarriages for a whole variety of reasons. I've had, we've all had plenty of friends who've had miscarriage after miscarriage after miscarriage. And people don't talk about, and I know this because my wife had one in between our two children. And it's like you realize when you talk to people how common it is. Mm -hmm. Like people don't just say, oh, I had a miscarriage. You know, it's not something that comes up in conversation. But you realize like it happens way more than people think. Well, and Sorry. to turn that, no, thank you for sharing, and to turn that into, you know, where women, if they're pregnant, all of a sudden have to worry if they're going to miscarry. I mean, you can't, first of all, it's really impossible to identify why that happens. Mm-hmm. I mean, it can be, a lot of the times, it's just that the, I mean, it's not viable. Right. But it could also be that your body doesn't have a friend a, a, a friend of a friend she um, had a lot of issues with, like, I, th- I think it was something to do with, like, her hormone makeup or whatever that made it really hard for the, the embryo to implant. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for women, I have to, like, be nervous that they have to document, well, no, like, I wasn't drinking or I didn't, mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I mean, exercising too much is really not, you know, exercise is good when you're pregnant now. The evidence is showing, but whatever. I mean, who knows what these people are going to, what people could try to point to to right. criminalize women whose bodies just don't, you know, again, it's your body. Right. It, it is fundamentally up to you. We are not these weird little pods that are somehow just like harboring some right. sort of, you know. And I let's don't know. remember that, I mean, the decision in Roe versus Wade was about an individual's right to privacy over their own body. It wasn't so much about abortion. It was about your right to privacy on your own body. You know? It's just, it's very, it's troubling. And um, when you have somebody who can, who can sexually assault or rape a 12-year-old girl and say oh, the, right. the penalty for that girl for having an abortion 
is four times longer than the man who raped her. Right. Like something's wrong with your priorities there. Right. I'm sorry. Like that's that's crazy. And then to force that person, that 12 year old girl, to carry that to literally say you have to carry the weight of that assault that happened to you for the rest Forever. of your life. I mean, it, it's 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 maddening to me to think about that. Well, and it's like acknowledged now that that is the strategy. Mm -hmm. So Republicans are moving away from, I mean, it happened here in West Virginia. There's no exceptions for um, rape, incest, or life of the woman. And that is the case in all these other states. So that, again, it's prioritizing, like, these cells that, let's face it, a large percentage of, a lot of times women are pregnant, don't know they're pregnant, and miscarry, and like have no idea as mm -hmm. well, because a lot of those symptoms can actually look like you're having your period. I mean, that's mm -hmm. what it looks like, guys, <laughs> um, or it can. Um, and so to take those um, protections away, and to just, I can't imagine I mean, that feeling is just horrifying. And again, to turn it on the woman and to make her live with that crime and those consequences, it's just unconscionable. But that is what is happening. That yes. is the strategy that that Republicans and these anti-choice people are right. embracing. And you also can say to somebody who people who have problems getting pregnant, infertility, things like that, and they finally get pregnant and they're happy, and they make it to four or five months, and they go to see their their obstetrics doctor, and they're like, you know, there's a problem with your with mm -hmm. the pregnancy, and your baby's not viable. For these people who say you can't have an abortion for the health of the mother or the child, you just say, sorry, you have to carry this baby for the next five months, knowing that it's going to die, and there's nothing we can do about it, and you just have to deal with it. Well, and it can also, like, my... A friend of a friend, again, I mean, her... Her... Like, the uh, fetus died inside of her. Right. I mean, it was dead. Right. There was nothing. But she couldn't, and so she, had. She like, was able to, you know, have it. I think she had to, had to be induced. Um, but are there, like, what happens for that? Because if you carry, like, a dead thing inside of you, mm -hmm. like, that is not healthy for you as a, um, as a woman. I think all these old old men, because it seems to be all old men who are trying. I don't really see. I mean, I'm sure there are some women who are for these things, but I'd like to see all these men uh, stop masturbating. I think they should have to pledge that or get a right, vasectomy. I like this. Get a vasectomy. Yeah. Well, if all life is sacred and those those right. things are, are that They're... sacred to you, every single sperm that comes. Do you remember the right. Monty Python? Right. Like like every single one of your, your sperm can, can create life. So right. I think you should just not be able to. Uh, have that come out of your body because it's sacred. Yeah, they're all sacred. It carries it carries the DNA that can create life. So, mm -hmm. but that's not going to happen. No, they're not mandating vasectomies. It, there's male birth control that you, is just as effective as female birth control, but that doesn't happen because right. it's not. We just figure it, it's not about. Well, for me, it's not about this. It's about controlling women. Yeah, it is about controlling. It's about women. controlling I mean, women. I. It really just feels like women have too much power. You had a woman. Many women now who are running for president, you had a, another woman who obviously there were plenty of people who didn't vote for her because of misogyny. Like, mm -hmm. that is exactly what's happening. Women have too much power. Men are resentful. And this is the way to put women back in their place. Well, and it's a logical conclusion from after this to say that birth control is essentially abortion and we oh, should get rid yeah. of abortion. I mean, that seems to be... Clarence oh, Thomas yeah. said as much. Like, that's that's what's oh, next. For sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, I have an IUD and that is to prevent... 
implantation, as I understand it. I should know how it works. Come but on, Sarah. Same with, I mean, That's same okay. with the morning after pill. Like, I've taken the morning after pill before, and it's the same idea. Right. I, I mean, and and so then, like, what, why is it? Anyway, it just all drives me crazy. I also get concerned, frankly, that with a lot of these laws, I mean, I, if, depending on how things go, I would literally not let my children go to college mm-hmm. in states with these. Mm-hmm. I mean, depending on how things go when my kids are that age, there's they will get zero dollars from me for going to colleges in those states. I will absolutely use my money. Mm-hmm. And depending on how things go, I might use my economic power in other ways. And One thing that I always find interesting, and this is kind of like, it's not funny, but it makes me kind of chuckle in my head about, you know, I own guns and I shoot, but whenever something comes up about like an, uh, a gun control law or something, as soon as a person, and we have friends who are like this, who, you know, they don't know all the different parts of a gun and they'll, they'll call something, they'll call a magazine a clip or the, whatever. And the, the, the Second Amendment, like, rabid people are like, oh, you can't talk about it. You don't even know what the word for that magazine is. And I'm like, okay, here is a picture of a woman's reproductive system. Label all of the parts. They can't do that. No. It's the same exact thing. It's right. just as complicated. There was that Ohio lawmaker that thought that you could, make, you could take the ectopic pregnancy mm-hmm. and just move it somewhere else. Right, right. Because that's a oh thing. Oh, my God. And I also think that those same people, they're like climate change deniers. Right. Suddenly now they're, they're scientists when it comes to women's oh, bodies. Yeah, they're like, I sure. know what this is. I am a scientist and I know how this works. Right. Arr. Right. Ugh, these things make me so mad. All right. They should. Yeah. They should. Yeah. I mean, and people should be mad. People should get fired up about one or two things and use it. I mean. I think this is going to come back to to bite the people who are trying to push this because I think nationwide, um, I think it's something like 70% of people believe in a woman's right to, to choose what to do with her own body. And I think the people who are pushing this are going against that. So I think long term. Um, they're shooting themselves in the foot. And I did see the Supreme Court just declined to take up a case. Uh, I think it was out of Pennsylvania. Indiana. It was in Indiana. They took one. Well, no, it was that they have to bury. Right. They have to bury. Which is a weird. The tissue, fetal tissue. Right. But then. The Separate other from one... other ones. But they did. The, there was a challenge. There was a stay in the lower court. And then they challenged it and they didn't take that up. So right. that, that stay still continues. Right. And I forget specifically what it was. So I think, you know. Possibly the Supreme Court is not really interested in in taking these cases up right now. I mean, let's face it. It is a, in my mind, it is a stain on our country if we take that away. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think some of these Supreme, Clarence Thomas obviously gives, I mean, there's plenty of conservative justices. I think Clarence Thomas is the most obvious. They give zero shits about a woman's choice. Um, But I think that... I, I mean, I got it. Roberts has shown himself to be someone who is concerned about the um, the institution of the court, and and I think things the the United States. I don't know. Maybe this is too broad. I don't really know the guy that well, but he's made a lot of votes that are contrary to what you might expect, mm-hmm. and I think he's probably going to be um, concerned about precedent. And, the legacy and, of his and court. Le- the legacy of the court. I mean, no, the it's legacy. not the court. It's the Roberts court. You always right, talk yeah, about those, these courts in whoever the chief justice is because they decide which cases are on the docket. Right. And so it, it is his court. So we'll see. Yeah. I say pack the court. Pack it. Pack it up. Come on, guys. 2020. 
please. Vote. All right. Um, thank you for joining us. We are not talking about a lot of these comments because they are not true. So anyway. <laughs> Sarah. Come on. That's hard to disagree with. Anyway. Um, thanks for joining us. Have a great life. Have a great life. <laughs> The new Activist on the Block is recorded at the WVU Innovation Center. The views expressed in this podcast do not represent the views of this center or West Virginia University. Thanks to Lauren Anderson on accordion and Riley McNamara for mixing the podcast. <laughs>